0: This is Get a Load of This Podcast, where we cover topics for truckers and entrepreneurs alike. Our guests are coming straight from the trucking industry and industries that directly influence and impact the truckers and trucking companies. We want to bring tremendous value to today's leaders and entrepreneurs and our future of the trucking industry. The common passion amongst our host and our guest is one thing, it's you it's you the people that make this country move the trucking industry enough with the introductions let's get this load on the road road.
1: we are your host thomas cameron
0: and ryan
2: let's get rolling
0: what's happening everybody welcome to get a load of this trucking podcast this is your host Cameron Pichy, founder of uh, Get a Load of This. As always, this episode's driven by Valley Trucking Insurance. With me, I've got co-host Thomas Comstock. Tommy, what up, buddy?
1: Hey, guys. How is everybody
0: out there today? Man, it's good. We're coming up on the end of the year, which is a big push for freight and trucking into the dip of January. I think the last couple of years have not been normal. So folks that uh, are about to go through a normal cycle and season, I'm hoping they're game plan for that because I've been talking to a lot of my clients about that. And it's like, you need to hold steady through this. And when it gets tough, you got to have those relationships to lean back on. So for um, for sure. I'm excited. End of the year is uh, goal planning. It's looking forward. It's kind of uh, taking inventory of where we're at and uh, trying to make the best out of the situation moving forward. I'm hoping these gas prices fall a little bit coming up soon, too. Yeah, right. It's been brutal. So, uh, and forgive me if I sound a little off or like for those on YouTube, I might be a little swollen, look like someone kicked me. I had five teeth yanked out of my head a couple days ago. So I, I put off uh, getting my wisdom teeth out for, oh, I don't know, 18 years. <laughs> and finally, my wife, who is a hygienist and like the dentist are like, you've got to get these out. And so I ended up needing to get an implant on one. And so I said, you know, I was going in. I'm like, screw it. I'm going to do one thing. You might as well just get them all done while I'm knocked out. So I had five teeth yanked out of my head on a Friday. We're recording this on a Monday. And what's crazy about that, dude, I freaking woke up in the middle of it, like, Ooh. like legit, like, Teeth cracking, pulling it out. I'm like trying to ask the guy for chapstick because that's all I cared about when I woke up in the middle of surgery. It's like, I need chapstick. And he's like, All right, we got two teeth. We need more medicine. Like, you're going back down. And next thing you know, I woke up and (laughs) I'm like, Give me some pain meds. And I've been uh, on a stream of Tylenol, ibuprofen, antibiotics, and pain meds. So, uh, you've been getting a lot of that ice cream in? Yeah, milkshakes, like soft foods, man. It's like jello, yogurt mashed potatoes like some protein shakes a lot of water uh you're not supposed to do coffee i had one coffee um iced obviously but that's probably my biggest pain i woke up this morning being like man i need some coffee but then i'm not trying to delay this healing process so i'm going to listen to the doctor for once (laughs) probably um, a good idea which, which isn't normal so Sorry hey, to tangent and go off on a story about that. Uh, I'm pumped. And uh, I just started learning about this guy. And I can't believe I haven't heard about him and what he's doing in the trucking industry, which is the whole reason we brought this podcast to you is to find folks that are innovative, that are moving the needle, that are dedicated for trucking and transportation, that are trying to really make an impact and change moving forward. Um, so I'm So excited to announce, and our special guest, Justin Clark. Justin Clark owns On Demand Truck Driver Staffing. Justin, how are you, buddy? Hey, what's going on, Cameron? Nice to be here today, guys. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for uh, coming on. And you're coming out of Arizona, which he claims to be cold. So I'm up in Washington. I don't know about all that, but... um, (laughs) That's all right. I got long. I got. I got long sleeves on here
2: today, Cam. I mean, seriously, it's getting buttery uh, yeah. uh, below sixty for sure on a consistent. It says fifty-four degrees. It says sunny, fifty-four degrees, which is you know for us uh, Phoenicians here in Arizona, that's pretty much like uh, the the dead of winter. You know, yeah. Much. So we've so we, been sitting in.
0: What are we at? Twenty degrees, maybe thirty degrees. Mm-hmm. So I'm about yeah. to come down and uh, come do some golf with you, or hit up hit up some spring training or something in the spring. Time.
2: Anytime yeah. I'm heading out. I'm actually heading out uh, tomorrow to go golf up in a little town called Prescott, Arizona, but it's, it's cool. in uh, the pine trees and it's a little colder up there. So we will be dealing with the weather probably closer to what you're used to uh, t- uh, tomorrow the next day. Up, uh, I don't know why we're I don't know why we're leaving Phoenix to go golf up, up north. Uh, but my friend is a uh, he's a crazy guy. He loves it, so he he set this up. So we're, we're excited about it. But yeah, uh, so you know my company is called F Staff, um, and we provide on demand truck driver staffing, and we've been doing it for the last 21 years. Uh, our original company name was called Contracted Driver Services quite a bit of mouthful, like I started this company when I was 19 years old. And so uh, I always say, you know, there was a lot of learning curve coming up when uh, when we first started uh, this business back in 2001. So I've seen a ton of change in the industry been pr- providing nothing but CDL truck driver staffing for the last 21 years. And then now um, we're really excited over the last couple of years. We've been um, making a ton of headway towards uh, providing what we call an on-demand model uh, and a tech-enabled approach to, to provide uh, temporary on-demand truck drivers, but uh, in a way that's easier, right? You should be able to order drivers from your phone the same way you could order ChapStick on Amazon if you need to, uh, you know, right after you have your <laughs> wisdom teeth pulled, right? So that's that's our, our whole approach is um, – is that uh, people and technology work best together so we've tried to bring the right technologies together so that the drivers can get what they need which is work and carriers can get what they need which is drivers um in a in a much faster model uh but we have a a really compliant system um, you know all the way around right because when you're dealing with truck drivers uh you you really do need to know what you're doing and so our, our back end back office system is um really tight and and uh we have uh A DOT management system uh, with our compliance office that really rivals, you know, whatever our carriers normally uh, do to qualify their truck drivers um, because we we need to meet their uh, stringent requirements to hire drivers. And so we basically base our requirements off of, you know, our toughest customer. And then we're hiring all of our drivers based on that. So our our, mar- our uh, methods um, on the back office are pretty strong. But um, mostly we just get excited because we have fun helping drivers find work um, all across the country now. And, uh, you know, really helping solve that problem in a new way where you can use the technology to get what you need as fast as you need it. Um, and in today's world, right, I mean, that's exactly what you need. You need flexible on-demand services, and, uh, you know, I know my family uses a ton of them, you know, it's television on demand, right. Netflix and, you know, uh, Amazon yeah. services, you know, all of that kind of came along. Right. So, you yeah, know, it's been fun to watch that, watch that everything kind of come together. And, uh, you know, I, I, obviously I love talking with all trucker friends about anything about the industry. So happy now, to be here.
0: How, so you came in at an early age then, what was the, uh, appeal or attraction to trucking or do you have, uh, ties to trucking? No. Well, okay.
2: So it's a kind of a a quick story, but I was 19 in college. My mom was working for another staffing agency and they provided drivers, right? That's what they did. And, uh, I had always wanted to be in business. And so, uh, at a certain point when that company wasn't really taking care of my mom, the way that, um, you know, we felt that, uh, they should have been with the help that she'd kind of pushed through with their growth. She was their their. uh, You know, main salesperson and uh, driving all the growth with the company, but they weren't necessarily taking care of her. So um, at 19, I decided to, you know, do some business planning and modeling off of their company but you know provide different levels of service and i definitely had a different vision you know for what could be provided in the end and it definitely was like a family of workers and it was a place where we really did take care of uh, our people and we have a a history of doing that at our company here internally as well too so um at 19 i really was um i'm not necessarily vindictive right but i i wanted to go prove that um you know i could kind of do it better than somebody that had already been doing it for about 15, 20 years. I don't know why I thought that I could, but I just saw the model as something that was pretty easy to attack. And so uh, we just kind of went for it. So I have a identical twin brother, uh, Scott. He and I went down to the uh, corporation commission here in Arizona, filed for the business initially, made every mistake in the book that you could possibly imagine when you start a company, uh, probably almost lost it a few times. And then eventually really hit our stride and, and um, started to understand, you know, a lot of about the industry and how to do it effectively, efficiently, compliantly, um, you know, and uh, and in a way that we were proud of, you know. So uh, it's been it's been a great um, ride over two decades to see that much change. But uh, I can go back, you know, to when we first started, and it was really it was just like two guys with a couple of phones uh, knocking on doors and getting people to believe in in what we were capable of, and then and then proving that we were worthy of their, um, you know, decision to to do business with us, really.
0: I love America. I really <laughs> do. I think, uh, uh, you know, a chip on the shoulder gives some good motivation internally and in that nudge and that brings out that competitive edge that one needs. And your story is so familiar to a lot of entrepreneurs, I feel like, because it's similar to kind of my background. I happen to go insurance sales, so just obviously different route, but it's the same. It was two guys on the phone and literally just smile and dial like Wolf of Wall Street and try to get people to um, trust in us to help them with their insurance for construction and trucking and that kind of stuff. As uh, I started when I was twenty, twenty one, so similar. So I respect that mm-hmm. man. That's awesome. You have a lot of uh, grit in you, then no doubt. Appreciate it, definitely. Yeah. Like, uh, mm-hmm. we're like warriors out here. So like the longer you're in, the harder it gets, but you just got to keep moving. And um, that's awesome. How big is your, uh, I'm, I'm guessing you're taking an approach with automation built in when technologies uh, for some of the compliance plus back inside of the house, but how big is your organization? And I think you had mentioned you had placed to this point, like 10,000 drivers or something, which is yeah, awesome.
2: We, we, we- it's been so. And really, just to to tout that number as well, because I love drivers, and every one of those has a story behind them, and and every one of them has a unique success story with our company as well, too. But yeah, we've helped uh help you know over ten thousand drivers find work. Um, currently, uh, we're actually proving out again the on demand model. So when our business started growing initially in like 2007, eight, nine, uh, we were uh, adding branches. Right, that was the traditional model. You you wanted to open in Dallas, so you got a lease at an office, you flew your flag, uh you start doing the same door knocking or calling and resource, you know, uh building the business and doing all the BD uh that you need to in Dallas, right? Hire the staff and put it all together there. we did the same thing in LA, and eventually I just thought that there was a really slow model um again to be, you know, hiring at that rate, um you 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 really couldn't be nimble for your clients and and to go you know open door open locations a lot faster if you were all you know worrying about having a copier and two more computers and you know all the resources that go in with a with a branch office so i uh i i ended up moving things forward in 2019 and we closed all of our branch offices we put everything into our corporate headquarters and we focused on just growing things um, digitally, right? So we can hire our truck drivers without having to be in Atlanta. We can find our carriers without having to be in Atlanta. Um, and we've proven that out now. So I, I think uh, to date, FSF's in uh, 18 markets uh, currently and and growing. And then we're really just trying to make sure that those marketplaces are as reliable as you as you can expect you'd want them to be, right? And so that's the hardest part, having enough drivers and having enough jobs in the marketplace at all times. That's kind of the, you know, the Uber approach, right? Having enough riders, having enough drivers, right? So that's kind of our whole... We're trying to uh, find that, like
1: that happy little medium to make sure that you're not doing one too much and or not staffing enough is definitely probably the hardest thing that you have to to balance, especially right now with the economic downturn that we've been uh, facing and the, the coming recession that we are going through. So I imagine that, um, you know, Cameron can probably relate with this, but a lot of my clients have stated that hiring qualified or finding qualified drivers is one of their biggest hurdles to be able to overcome, to be able to operate their you know operations as as well as they potentially could. So I guess, you know, kind of going back to what you talked about earlier about qualifying and hiring your drivers based on your, you know, toughest Customer, what kind of standards do you guys have for your drivers? I'm sure if people are looking to use your services, they'd like to know,
2: you know, what the baseline criteria are. Sure. Yeah. So because we're a staffing business, we really can't uh, road test the drivers. So it's important to us that we have verified uh, documentation on their background and their history. So uh, to become an F staff driver, you have to have at least two years of Class A commercial driving experience we pulled MBR checks. You can't have, um, you know, any more than one moving violation on your MBR in the last 39 months uh, to get started. Um, you can't have a DUI. I mean, there's like strict requirements, right? Like we want to make sure that we have the safest drivers on the road, uh, that are working for our clients. Because when you're, when you're in the on-demand world, especially, right, you have to imagine not only does the driver, you know, you have to be available but he has to be able to drive a wide variety of different types of equipment at times and our system does filter for you know the right types of drivers so that you know we'll find a flatbed driver for a flatbed truck we're not going to mismatch um but it's helpful if drivers have you know a, a variety of experience um that's kind of the the new type of driver for the future is somebody that is really um you know experienced in multiple trailer types um you know can uh, definitely back. Uh, that's going to be a a heavy requirement for the future. There's going to be less truckload, more city driving, more congested driving, uh, more, you know, um, blindsided moves, things like that, that'll happen in the future too. So, uh, you know, the, the, the new driver really wants a flexible environment where he or she can, uh, act more like an entrepreneur, right? That was kind of the, the whole, idea behind being a truck driver initially, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, I believe is really was that, um, you know, you could be that wanderlust type, you know, to that you can get on the road and you can kind of do your own thing. You can uh, start driving when you want to start driving. You can stop driving, you know, uh, when you're out of hours, right? Um, You can max out your income as much as you can. And that's been restricted, um, you know, over the last, decade you know really in a lot of ways and so I think drivers need a pathway in the future where they can really become drivers the way that they want to again in the future and that means you know I start when I want to start I stop when my hours are out or um, when I'm when I'm done and I I get to plan my own schedule you know and with the with the F-staff on-demand marketplace, drivers get to pick the jobs that they want. They can you know, uh, update their schedule um, and really kind of look through the different jobs that are available in their market and pick the ones that they're interested in. And so uh, carriers are really liking it too because they don't have to hire full-time drivers always um, if they have more of a flexible type of business. Um, this allows them to plug in the labor when they need the labor, um, but not to not use their equipment when it's available as well too. Carriers are, are you know, sitting trucks in, in yards sometimes because they don't have the labor and they're using a broker and another carrier to, you know, take their work, right? And so as we're educating carriers about this opportunity, um, it's definitely something that carriers want as we talk to them about the ability to just hire when they want, when they need to. Uh, they know this is the future. And so our, our conversations are really great with the carriers. And I feel like, again, Th- uh, Thomas and Cam, you know, it's just about education, right? Making sure that people know about it. And that's what I love that you guys are doing with the podcast too, just bringing up new topics for the industry so that everybody can kind of get up to speed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. and Definitely the goal that we have here, uh, wanting to empower as many people as we can. Um, so a couple of follow-up questions to what you were just talking about, um, You know, the drivers that you guys have on F staff, are they just pure drivers? They located in like, you know, general central areas like, say, Philly or Dallas and waiting for loads? Do they have their own trucks? I mean, how does the the hiring process work and what comes with the driver?
2: Sure. Yeah. So this is just staffing. So this is only a labor play. So this is for carriers who have their own trucks that uh, they have, you know, work for those trucks and they're just missing the driver. Um, so our, our uh, you know, bread and butter has been a lot of third party logistics that have dedicated clients, um, maybe in the retail space or really anywhere, uh, manufacturing, something like that. But um, let's say uh, Ryder, they're a great example, a great client. Um, they have, you know, dedicated business locations all over the country um, and they have clients a lot of times that have a flexible up and down type of business, Right. And so we will definitely be a great model for their business and have been over the last, you know, I don't know, probably almost 15 years, probably since we've been doing business with them, kind of helping them augment the staff as needed. So they have the trucks, they have the trailers, they have the loads. They just need the extra drivers when they need to. So our drivers get to uh, be a W-2 driver. So they are uh, a regular income driver working for F staff, and then they are you know, leasing themselves or we're leasing the worker to rider uh, to work for a day or a month, could be full-time, could be just, you know, an overnight fly and drive, a bunch of unique situations of how they use use us, but that's pretty much how they would use us.
0: Now, can the trucking companies um, buy out the drivers of a contract? Like, could they take them and bring them on as their own employee and pay a percentage to you like a traditional staffing agency?
2: We do. We still have that. um, We still have that model available. So and we do we actually probably one of the only uh, companies that prorates that as well, too. So as a client hires a worker for so long, we'll prorate that buyout for them in the future. I could see I could I could vision that potentially going away again, because if we're allowing for carriers to hire those on demand drivers regularly, we we want the on demand drivers to make more money inside the on demand system that yeah. would be the goal um so that you know maybe rider has to pay more for this driver for the day the driver can make more money for the day but then because he's floating around to different cl- you know customers um and doesn't have any guaranteed work at one location i think the driver should uh, expect to receive a little bit more and then uh why would they want to leave
0: yeah no doubt build a company culture and create a internal thriving industry for them within your model. I mean, that makes absolute sense. And my brand brand is kind of turning on that. I think it's uh, great. How do you handle? So let's touch on the compliance. And um, I know that's a big deal. You know, you got clearinghouse, you've got the pre, you you know, you can do pre-employment screening or the PSP essentially to kind of really get a good grasp on what this driver's uh, background looks like and out of service and inspections and their motor vehicle report and that kind of stuff. But what systems do you have in place or or stops and checks that you do for these people for the requirements?
2: Mm -hmm. So we use, there's really in the industry, there's two primary ATS platforms out there you can start with. You can either start with 10 street or you can start with driver reach. And I like them both. Our teams prefer Ten Street for the compliance side, and so we, uh, you know, that's the the system that we use internally. Um, everything ties in and out of the ATS and in and out of our on demand system, and so we do have a lot of automated checks inside because again, we're tech enabled approach. So as soon as drivers are triggered for different events, we'll automatically um, be pulling information, and then based on the results, you know, of of that, uh, and then we'll be either moving them forward in the application process or, uh, you know, going through, you know, whatever appropriate pathway we would. But, um, you know, we use, I mean, we use everybody, right? So we use HireA, we use DriverIQ, we're using uh, probably one of the more exciting type of tools is a a tool called um, Samba Safety which will allow for you to do like live monitoring of MBRs. I think that that's a requirement for us. So we have live MBR monitoring that will automatically trigger an event like a safety hold on a driver. If the driver has an, a negative event, uh, like a suspension, revocation, DUI or something like that, um, our systems will automatically um, pull the driver off so the driver can't accept another another, you know, opportunity inside the system, until he's re cleared through safety. So all although, you know, there's a lot of systems that you can use, if you don't use them in a way that provides you, you know, that on demand, immediate uh, action, before you need human engagement, then it's really not a tech enablement yet, right. So all of our systems are in and out, and they're tied together in API's and, and in ways where you know, it's it's a protected environment and it's a lot faster. That's, you know, an important piece.
0: Yeah, that's badass. Uh, is it a bidding process for the driver or is it set rate based on region and what you need them for or experience or what sets the price and how does that work?
2: So right now we'll have contracts with clients and we'll have predetermined rates in different markets. But that's been moving so fast the last couple of years. We'll do a lot of you know new verbal auth rates, just depending on what we're seeing in the industry. Um, we put together a wage survey annually um, to kind of educate our customers on where the wages are going, uh, what to expect, and and what the types of you know pay rates and or benefits that the drivers are looking for. We try to put that together every year, and then. Um, You know, but our system currently does not have, you know, like flex pricing, like a model, like Uber, like Christmas Day pricing. That'll be something that we'll look for in the future to actually incorporate in the system so that we would have, you know, um, the right price at the right time, which really includes the right wage at the right time. Because I tell our team, I'm like, look, a driver that, you know, works on Christmas Day and we have some. That's crazy, right? Like Christmas Day, they're driving. They should be making... Five times their wage on Christmas Day, right? Because if you have to have that load running on Christmas Day, then you should pay for it, right? That's my opinion, and take care of the drivers along the way, right? Our our uh, our biggest belief inside F Staff is that truckers drive everything, and so all of our systems are designed to really focus on the trucker, right? And that means the truck driver. Uh, what the driver needs in the future is kind of the that's that's what our you know vision looks like in, into the future like everything we want is to take care of what the driver needs so if a driver needs to get paid right now um, like on-demand pay we're going to provide that environment and we do so at f staff a driver could actually work today get his time verified and then he or she could get paid same day or next day in our system
0: that's, That's sweet, awesome. man. Such mm-hmm. a cool model. I, uh, I'm so yeah. happy that I <laughs> am learning about this and I'm so happy to get to meet you. Cause, uh, I think this is such a cool, um, opportunity for folks. Cause I hear it all the time, you know, Hey, my truck's, uh, parked because I can't find a qualified driver to run. Right. I think that yeah. there has to be a little coordination. I'm just thinking from the insurance standpoint, cause you have to add the driver, I'm guessing to the policy to get the coverage to extend out, to make sure you're in compliance there. But um, that happens pretty quick as long as they're with a good uh, insurance provider. So
2: exactly. And, and we run all of our, so we own all of the uh, the pieces related to the worker. So workers' compensation is on our insurance policies. Okay. And then we have uh, like an EPLI coverage and GL. Like, so our, our coverages are all about the things that we're in control over uh, the hiring practices uh, you know the screening, placement, uh, hiring, firing, all of that sort of stuff. Like that's that's what our company does. But we don't drive the trucks. We don't maintain the trucks. Um, we don't. I mean, our our drivers operate the trucks, but we don't uh, we don't control any of that equipment, um, and we cannot insure any of that equipment. Yeah. Right. And so it's a different type of model because you're you're leasing an employee into the truck. So yeah, we we definitely share a lot of driver qualification information. Uh, to the carriers uh, ahead of time uh, and you know a lot of them want it ahead of time if not they'll they can get it after the fact um, and then uh, one of the new development features that we're working on right now is to actually just get the dq file inside the on-demand app so that when the carrier orders the driver the the carrier would already have access to the dq file cool. for you know set amount of time
0: i might have a contact for you that can help with that so we'll connect uh, off air and you never know so
2: i love that follow-up question Um, to the
1: driver staffing thing what happens in the event of like say some sort of catastrophic loss where it's a complete total loss of the truck tractor the trailer the cargo maybe a loss of life what happens um to the driver they immediately pull back fired from your company who has the liability there for his actions
2: yeah so i mean I think in a catastrophic loss, everybody will need, everyone is named yeah. in, in, you know, suits like that. Um, again, our our contracts are clear in that, you know, what we're accepting the responsibility for and our clients indemnify us for, you know, uh, the equipment liability related to any Damages, crashes, things like that. Um, although I would expect to get named, and we have gotten <laughs> named, um, you know, and we haven't, you know, when you're in business for, you know, 20 plus years and mm-hmm. doing as much as we do, um, it's a dangerous job. And I tell, you know, I tell our teams that regularly. And, um, you know, I, all of our you know, biggest accidents, I'm always reminded of that, you know, how dangerous the job is. And again, why we do what we do and how much we care, why we care as much as we do. Um, because drivers are the lifeblood of America. Mm-hmm. And without our drivers, we would not have anything that we would want to live some sort of, you know, uh, uh, quality life, right? Like fuel for your cars and, you know, clothes for your, for your kids and food, you know, for your, for your you know family, right? Like drivers bring everything. And so, uh, yeah, it's a it's it's a big deal, and and you know what we're doing and providing for the future, I think is is going to allow again for that for drivers to actually get their freedom back, right, in the way that they actually deserve to have it because you know they they do so much and they sacrifice so much, so they at least deserve the freedom to choose when they decide when they want to work and not to be um, you know governed by that.
0: It's a a cool model, Um, similar to like an outsourcing model where the carrier or trucking company, they don't have the liability of the taxes and the health care and the benefits and all the stuff. They're just paying a flat rate for the service, which reduces their taxable income, gets a service. And I'm guessing it's just like a 1099 contract. Is that correct, Justin?
2: Through our carriers, yeah, but with our drivers, they're all on duty, too. No, no,
0: yeah, for for the carrier Mm -hmm. relation with your staffing agency would be just a 1099 Mm -hmm. expense, correct? Exactly. Cool. Um, And then how do you guys handle the work comp side of things for, like, monopolistic and stuff? So if someone's out of, let's say, Washington, right, for example, your work comp, won't extend into Washington. You might have some layers over the top, but do you have drivers dedicated to those States that you get policies for? Or as it comes up, do you guys deal with that? Do you know?
2: Yep. Yeah. As it comes up, if we have, and we do, I mean, we handle Washington and we handle some of those difficult States. Um, it's not our preference, obviously, cause they're more of a pain <laughs> in the butt to do <laughs> based uh, business in those preference. areas. Right. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, here's the deal, right? Like when I got into this business at 19, I was a problem solver and at, at 40, I'm still the problem solver. Right. So that's what I, uh, wake up to do every single day. So if there's something that needs to happen, you know, I'm, if, you know, we, I've met other business owners that aren't the same as I am that, that might say, okay, well, if they're going to, you know, push universal healthcare, I'm going to keep my business, you know, under 50 employees. And, you know, I'm not that type of guy. I'm a compliant type. I want to pay my taxes. I want to find out what the rules are. And then we're going to make sure that we can fight fairly and we can, you know, have a good, strong business, but, uh, we aren't scared of change and we aren't scared of solving problems. And that's basically what we do in situations like that. We'll just, um, you yeah, get the policies it. that we need.
0: I love it. Question. And this just kind of came up uh, in relation to that. So California, as you know, has been making a push to get rid of contract workers, right? Maybe AB5. A-B yep, exactly. Uh, how are you dealing with that? And are you in compliance with that? And can these California companies come to you? And is this a resource for those drivers to actually come to you that want to remain as that model?
2: Yeah. This is the solution for that model. Okay. So if, if a carrier would do business with F staff instead, um, a driver could, you know, work in the truck carrier takes the, you know, um, the responsibility for the equipment, the same as they normally would in the model that they have today, they're trying to put, you know, leases in front of these drivers, right. Which, you know, there's a stretch model there, you know, the normal 1099 driver is not affected by AB5. Right. And, and so I think the industry is trying to paint a different picture to that, but you know, if you if Thomas owns a truck and he's running out of the ports, and i you know he's gonna have to have a new truck because he's running out of the ports, right? So, but uh, let's say Thomas has a compliant truck and he's got his own contracts um, and he's running in California or even out of the state, he's fine. He'll he'll be a ten ninety nine driver. the The issue is is for a large carrier like let's just pick on Swift because they're you know huge, right? So let's say Swift has a, a owner operator program you know, where they lease their trucks to these drivers. It's not really drivers coming on with their own trucks. It can, but generally speaking, a driver will go through a program like a driver training program and then go on a a lease purchase or something like that, right? I think that's a stretch, right? And I always have thought that was a stretch to use the 1099 model in that way. Because again, the driver is governed by that one employer, right? The driver doesn't have... True freedom to choose the type of work that he or she wants. It doesn't. It's not. It doesn't smell like like an independent to me, and so I've never thought about it that way. So when AB five started coming down, it was more like a. I knew this was going to happen, and it'll start sweeping across the country because you know companies are are aggressively using the ten ninety nine in a way that I think is a stretch to what the government always considered to be you know an independent worker. So, uh, AB five was intended to actually go not against truckers. AB five was really like a, um, uh, I don't know, a Postmates, you know, uh, ruling, right. They wanted to bring in those drivers that are working for one company delivering food to actually be employees because the government likes us employers to be tax collectors, right? They don't want to wait until the end of the year to collect their own taxes. They want us to collect for them. Um, and that's, that's where things will go. Right. So that's the, I think, I think on-demand driver staffing is absolutely a solution, you know, to against AB five for sure.
0: I think that's sweet. Great answer. Um, Yeah. And it just kind of got my wheels turning as to how that fits in there. Let's run through, uh, pretend I'm a carrier and it's like, oh shit, I got two trucks sitting. I want to get a hold of you and I want to, get connected up, do the paperwork. And then the process, what does it look like? Where do I go? What are the steps? How long does it take if I need to start and I need to get someone in a truck in three days a week or however long it takes?
2: Sure. So we have, you know, for the, for the right clients and the right situations and in the right marketplaces, a carrier could come on today and get a driver this afternoon, right? It can be that fast. So really just start at fstaff.com. And uh you click you know on the carrier side that that walks a carrier right through the process uh, a carrier can actually go through um, and become a client um, and pick their own rates uh and we and and have everything done you know in in an afternoon um, We really try to make it as fast and seamless as possible and that'll be our goal later is to even reduce that to actually be thirty minutes fifteen minutes of onboarding something like that um but we do want to get to know the carrier. You know, we do want to understand the job. We do want to make sure we get the details right. Um, all of those things are part of the success of a driver being successful and on in the on-demand system anyway. It's not. It is not like Uber, right? And this is the reason why I tell you this. Like um, in U- with Uber, for whatever reason, Cameron doesn't get scared of like the experience. Cameron thinks like, well you know, uh, it's just my body. If we get in a crash and I'm not likely to get hurt, you know, in a, I'm just going 15 minutes down the road. Th- there's that, that's that experience, right? When one of our carriers orders a driver, an on-demand truck driver for their tractor trailer, it's a lot more like Thomas saying, Hey, I want to go out this weekend and I want to, but I want, and I want to take my nice car, but I want I to, I don't want to drive cause I want to, I'm going to drink. And so I want somebody else to drive my nice car, right? So let's say Thomas was a Ferrari fan, right? And he wants somebody to take him out in his Ferrari, right? I think Thomas cares a lot more about that transaction, right? He wants to know, you know, who is this driver? What's the license look like? Have you ever driven a car, (laughs) anything close to this one before, right? Before I let you get in behind the wheel of my car, right? And so that's the transaction that we're servicing. So it's a lot different than the Uber model, but, you know, in that way really, because the tractor trailer costs, you know, as much as a Ferrari. And, uh, when you include, you know, the goods behind it and the trailer behind it, it could be five Ferraris by the time, by the time we're actually moving down the road. Um, and so, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of the, the, the difference there, uh, between that model, um, you know, on the on-demand truck driver side.
0: That's a good analogy. And, yeah, it's their pride and joy, and it's their livelihood. These are huge, huge investments for these company owners as the tractor and the trailer. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> that's, yeah, I wouldn't let anyone drive mm. my car. I, don't, I, I feel the same. <laughs> right. I, had a Ferrari, no, <laughs> I barely like no, my wife driving yeah. my car half the time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, and so here's
2: here's the long, long future, the way, the way that I can kind of see it, as far as I can see it. Um, you know, trucking uh, autonomy will definitely come into the industry. It may be, you know, uh, another decade out, something like that before we actually see a lot of autonomous trucks down the road. But the things that I tell my friends now, I go, look, there will be a time and a place that a robotic truck will get into a situation that it will need to order human labor, right? Could you envision a time when some autonomous truck says, I need help, I need help, right? And and so in that future, you know, we're we're going to really start tying things into the the truck technology long term, so that a automated truck could order a human driver when it needs one.
1: That's actually really really awesome. I love the the ease and the and the speed in which you're able to offer your services to clients. That's pretty dang amazing. Um, Actually, I have I have an interesting question. You've been in the industry for a long time. You've seen lots of changes come through. Like AB five is going to be one that's kind of interesting to see how it plays out. But what do you think is the the biggest change that you've seen through the industry in your experience?
2: I mean, the one that I've experienced. You know, I mean, there's always been changes to hours of service, right, up and down, and changes to those rules, fifteen and ten, or yeah. you know, uh, fourteen hour rule exemptions. Like, there's always tweaks to that. the 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 biggest change that I think that the industry you know, kind of finally went through was clearinghouse, right? When I when I started this company in two thousand one, you know, we we actually started doing on site drug testing because we would have drivers applying. I would send them to do their drug test. They wouldn't do it for three, four, or five days, maybe a week later, and it started to get me, you know, worried and nervous that some of these drivers were actually on drugs, right? And you know, there was no central repository or database that I could search and there was not one that I could actually, um, you know, submit a lot of data into, uh, we were able to finally submit positive tests into higher, right? I still couldn't submit refusals. Right. So in that case, a driver, um, applied and you know, we were even doing onsite drug testing. If he refused to do a drug test onsite, I mean, we, we pretty much know he's, he's refusing a CDL test, but because he hasn't actually, applied for our company yet uh and he left during the application process i couldn't even turn that in right and so it i just did not like the uncompliant um kind of approach that we had it was like you know you can pull MBR data so much better than you can um drug testing information right so if we're actually gonna have a a you know regulated industry then why don't we actually regulate it right and so when clearinghouse was created obviously it's another layer and it's you know one more thing right in the process but what it does do is it has one place now that all cdl tests get reported to um for positives so now you i mean if you're a driver and you test positive i almost can say your, your career is almost over at this point now um years past right you could almost eliminate that employer from your application if it was a short you know, period a month or something like that and another carrier might not even know that you had a positive test with another company right and so at least now you know we have a place where we can say okay <clears throat> that's going to happen now and we can we can trust that we can hire drivers that are clean that are not you know doing drugs Um, or if they had, um, there's at least confirmation that they went through a, uh, a a testing, uh, platform after, uh, they, so that they can, you know, kind of become a CDL driver again. Um, but that's, that's the biggest change and it will, it's negative in that we'll probably lose more drivers again, uh, because of it. But I think you're losing the right drivers this time, Mm -hmm. right? Instead of pushing out drivers that just want to work and, um, you know, losing them to other industries, you know, for those reasons, I would, I would like to lose the drivers that I don't want on the road in a tractor trailer versus the ones that just, you know, want to work. Absolutely.
1: And you mentioned in that, that, uh, you know, one of these convictions can really, you know, ruin a career, take away a driver's career, you know, that sort of incident can actually even close down the company that they're employed with too, because it can cause such a financial uh, spiral and compensation or insurance costs or being able to find new load because they have an inspection with an out of service because of drug use. Now the, the brokers are less likely to want to hire the motor carrier. So it's something that very much is, I think, like you said, a wonderful addition, even though it is another layer to make sure that we have a better picture of the drivers that we're putting in those rigs to ensure that we're being safe on the road for various reasons. Obviously the safety is important, but also just for operational soundness. I mean, it's, it's a vital thing. So mm-hmm. um, I like that. I
2: like that a lot the other the other the other change I was going to tell you guys too so so trucks will order dry or order their own people right at one point down in the future but earlier than that um, the next change I mentioned to you we have on-demand pay so a driver can get fast pay uh, with the F staff model and get paid you know kind of like next day but I'm telling my accounting team to go ahead and get ready for this that um, I would prefer and this I'm sure the workers would too that they actually start getting paid when they clock in. So on true on demand pay would be I clock in and I'm starting to get money trickling into my account. And then I stop working, I right? clock out and the money stops coming into my account. Right. Unlike me asking for it later, because again, I, I tell people like, look, they've already done the job. They're already giving you the value, the value transactions happening right now, but why do they have to wait to get paid when they've already performed the work? Right. And so I don't believe in paying somebody before they do the work. But I think that paying somebody while they're doing the work, that's definitely going to happen.
0: I think that's cool. That's a cool concept. And then mm-hmm. how do you guys handle detention and per diem? And if it's a long stretch of time, is that a negotiated rate with the carrier? Because I know the carrier, sometimes it's a little bit out of their control too, on some of the detention figures and uh, fuel surcharge and stuff like that. How do you guys handle that?
2: So the things on the, the fuel surcharge or, detention times I mean really are, are again because it's just a labor model they're dealing with all the the trucking side of things so if um, if a driver is stuck uh, it's pre-negotiated so uh, either it's on an hourly rate while the driver is on the clock um, you know it's but generally speaking it's going to be uh, either negotiated you know during the trip like if we need to add something on driver says he's stuck and he's upset because he's not getting paid for it um, yeah, we'll deal with that like in the moment because we, we don't want the driver to be upset. Uh, so we'll talk to the carrier um, or at times F staff has even, you know, just made decisions to help the driver or pay the driver, compensate, do whatever we need to do really. Because, you know, we just want to be good partners. And um, in the end, I think that's what it takes. Let's think about the driver. What does the driver need? And if the driver just needs money, because a lot of times the driver won't, won't express this. A driver may be screaming that he needs to get back home maybe because he does not have money for food anymore, right? He planned for a two-day trip. It's now turned into three, and I'm, I'm hungry, right? And that's usually like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to the drivers and say, you know, hey, is there anything we can do? Maybe we can even just um, – I've, I've ordered pizzas for drivers before, you know, that were stuck um, on the road. And, I mean, honestly, that goes so far, just getting somebody some food, Because, you know, being frustrated um, is one thing, being frustrated and hungry on, on top of that, (laughs) man, you're going to, yeah, you're going to, yeah, you're hangry, right? You turn into Betty White, you know? So um, we, uh, you know, Thomas, and basically we would deal with those things, you know, in the moment that they come if need be, or if a driver finishes a trip and also feels like, Hey, I wasn't compensated fairly, or I should be compensated differently. um, Then we'll just negotiate that with the carrier.
0: Cool. I think that's awesome. Mm Um, what right now uh, is the average going rate, I guess, however you guys do it per hour, per trip, per day, or per, per whatever it is? Like, what's the average rate, let's say, out of Dallas? You had mentioned Dallas, but like, what would a driver cost out of Dallas?
2: Uh, uh, cost-wise, I don't have, I mean, it, it's, that that does change a little bit because of the difference of a job type. Right? um you know if a, if it's a, a food service job like with US foods or Cisco uh, there's so much more risk to the human body right and just being injured yeah. uh, we need to uh, we need to make sure that we kind of look at that a little bit differently but generally speaking you know your 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 pay grades right now in Dallas I'm seeing the wage wise it's like 25 to 32 33 dollars an hour um, and that has climbed I mean it, it, that's a 50 percent increase than what it was in 2019.
0: Yep. No, their wages have gone I think way it's up. good just to have an idea. And I, I love that you do the survey of the drivers for um, what's important for benefits and wages and, and stuff like that. I think it's funny too, because pay is up there, but pay is not the most important thing that an employee looks mm-hmm. for when they're with a company or an organization. I think, I don't remember, I read a study and it might've been Harvard business study or someone, it ranked like sixth or seventh on the list. Once you mm-hmm. you meet your basic needs and you feel like, hey, I'm getting paid adequately and fairly and what I'm worth, all of a sudden pay just stays here and then other things become important. And it sounds like you've kind of touched on that when you're willing to ask, hey, what can we do? Hey, I'm willing to get you a pizza. Hey, I'm willing to negotiate on your behalf. Hey, I'm trying to provide an environment where you can be successful and kind of own your own schedule and your income and stuff. So I think that you're, you're touching on all the right things to help with that driver retention for your employees, I'm guessing. So.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the other thing we added um, here too was um, a heavier life insurance policy. So this was something actually, you like this story too. Uh, So a bank at one point was requiring a large, Keyman life insurance policy on this, you know, big, you know, kind of note that they were uh, supporting. So they needed another $2 million on Justin Clark. Right. And so uh, at, at a certain point when they no longer needed that, I canceled the policy because it was kind of expensive. And then we transitioned to um, acquiring a policy that would give all of our drivers a $50,000 life insurance policy um, for every single one of our drivers. And it doesn't cost them anything. They just have to work for F staff to, to get that. Um, because again, you know, drivers are in, you know, I just saw a new study. It was saying it was the most dangerous. I have always kind of known it as the second most dangerous, uh, career, but based on, you know, um, uh, death statistics, you know, and, uh, catastrophic industry statistics that could change potentially. But I, I thought that we were second to journeyman linemen, um, kind of in the electrical power line industry. Um, but regardless, I mean, drivers, are the most underinsured bunch, right? Working in the mo- one of the most dangerous jobs and they don't have And if they were to, you know, something happens to them on the road and we've seen it happen, the family's not prepared, right? And mm-hmm. so we just wanted to make sure that we're at least doing something extra to help the drivers in case something were to happen. Um, and, uh, you know, that way we feel more comfortable with the drivers at least protecting their families because that's what they want to do at the end of the day is protect their families, put food on the table, you know, live their lives and have a little bit of fun.
0: I applaud that. I think that that's a uh, huge piece that's missed. And a lot of people don't do that for themselves, right? They don't know how, A, how accessible it is, how easy or how affordable insurance is for life insurance. And a lot of times, like the phrase I always used with clients uh, or my clients is, uh, you know, it's my job to ask you about having life insurance and making sure you're, prepared financially don't make it my job to tell your family you didn't have any if you die right right? Mm -hmm. that's not fair you know so Mm -hmm. it's just having those hard conversations and um, truck driving unfortunately you get bad health associated with it. There's a trend, which is great. And there's a lot of fitness and there's a lot of focus and some technology based companies that are coming into the trucking industry, trying to promote eating right and fitness on the road and stuff like that. So I think it kind of goes hand in hand with that old school thought of like, you know, life insurance will cost more, the older you are, the more out of shape you are, the more health problems you have it costs more money because the risk of you Mm -hmm. dying prematurely goes up and so the insurance company takes that risk on but at the end of the day though it's responsible to make sure your family doesn't have to either a maybe mortgage the house maybe move you know all kinds of things end up happening Mm -hmm. right
2: now and you know i have a personal story with that too i told you i started this company with my identical twin brother um, and our mom came my actually my mom came on um after i don't know we were already maybe getting three clients or something like that. And she came over and quit the other company and then uh, came on with Contracted Driver Services. So I am the only owner uh, now uh, and uh, mostly because my mom wanted to retire out a couple of years ago. But prior to that, my brother had passed in 2011. And so going through that, um, he we did have key man life insurance policy set up with our company and had them set up for years with never the expectation that we would ever expect that we would have to use use one. Right. Uh, so, yeah, that's a tough conversation to have. But I would always tell people, you know, I mean, if you have a family, especially of children, you know, and you have people that need you to take care of them. Potentially, if you are kind of the breadwinner, it is really, really smart uh, to take that extra step to make sure that you've got some insurance for the family um, in case something does happen to you. So that was, you know, a huge, you know, kind of moment in my life period. But that, that helped a lot. Right, having that insurance policy that kind of helped bridge the gap in a lot of the costs and the things that we had to experience through that loss um that was it was huge, so you're absolutely right, Cameron,
0: man, I'm sorry to hear that um I couldn't imagine that, yeah, that's not
2: you know, point. um. Yeah, it, it, was, it was and continues to be, you know, one of the probably the biggest challenges that I faced. I mean, identical twins. I mean, we, we were super close, right? We bought our first house together, started our first business together, you know, uh, continued to live you know, beautiful lives together. And uh, yeah, that was tough after his passing. And, and the one thing I always tell people about my brother that he actually shared with me was about kindness. So he was a that big pay it forward guy. So he would do a big pay it forward like on Mother's Day um, and do pay it forward projects. I, I heard so many stories about kindness after his passing and things that he would do. So we actually created a foundation for kindness after his passing called the Honey Foundation and uh, inspire uh, actually uh, there's like 12 schools, I think, that run our kindness education materials. But we teach kids and we even teach corporations um, how to incorporate kindness in their lives uh, because we have actually had so many uh, realize benefits after you know practicing these things after it's got passed and uh learning about uh kindness and and learning you know how to implement it correctly. We we've learned a ton um about you know the importance of kindness, and so we actually bridge that now. Uh, and I'll give a little plug my, my LMS platform partner is a company called Luma, and uh Gina Anderson um has. Uh, she's the CEO of Luma and, uh, so Dr. Anderson and my wife, Jamie have been working on a kindness block that they released maybe about two, three months ago. And it's kindness for truckers. Um, out of the luma system and so we have this kindness for truckers education block it's going out to all luma's customers too and and, um, uh, i've been hearing really really uh, positive success stories from the carriers that are having it run like even from the ceos are like i am i'm never going to be the same anymore after going through the education and learning kind of a little bit more about kindness and my people too so uh, we're actually proud of uh, what we're able to do with the foundation and inspiring people in a really positive meaningful way Although it's a it's a tragedy for me personally, right? It's such a success story too for the world because you know the world needs more kindness, the world needs more um, you know compassion, empathy, and understanding, um, not only to truck drivers but to to everyone, right? And so um, that's kind of what my wife and I are focused in on now. In addition to the you know supporting support truckers movement is, um, uh, really pushing kindness. And, and you know, in, in the end, you know, that's what we'll spend the rest of our days doing is continuing to promote kindness and making sure that people understand, you know, why we want to keep kind communities in the future. Um, you know, cause I know I grew up with them around me and I would never want to, uh, lose the fabric of community, um, you know, around kindness and kind of what that means to me. So we're pushing that out and, and, um, you know, it's, again, like, like everything in this world is possible, you know, and you can take any opportunity, whether it's, you know, easy or chaotic or whatever the situation is and turn it to a positive light. And that's what we've done with the loss of my brother, Scott was definitely turn it towards a positive light. And then now I get to actually, you know, talk about kindness, focus on kindness, I get to use his name regularly, which is a blessing for me. Um, and, uh, and then now, you know, bridging the gap between kindness. And truckers too um i never kind of imagined that those two worlds would be colliding with me uh, you know but, but now they are too so we can kind of bring in the charitable aspects along with the company and um kind of promote kindness to our own direct community too so happy to share any of that stuff down the road with you guys
0: thank you so much for sharing that that's beautiful how do you so uh how do people get in touch with honeypot and then you said luma
2: Okay. Yeah. So, uh, the honey foundation, you can go to be kind today. So B E E kind today.org. It has a little bit of a, uh, themed element to the honey foundation. It's the honey foundation just because, and so we teach people, you know, you don't do any, You don't need to do anything for any specific reason. You could do something just because, and so that's the kind of message there. So you can go to be kind to go to that. And then, um, our, uh, our platform Luma, I'm trying to think of it's Luma, ATS, it's Luma L U M A uh, uh, learning.
0: Yeah, you have to get her in touch with me. I'd love to interview her and get her on because mm-hmm. just from the little bit you told me, that I got excited. <laughs> I'm like that's exactly so cool. yeah yeah yeah. So cool. yeah. Gina
2: yeah Gina Anderson is Luma Learning. I don't remember her website, but okay. um, you you can pull her up. She's amazing uh, out of South Carolina, and uh, we work with her on all of our education platforms. So um, she's beneficial not only to our business but also to the charity. And she loves what we're doing too. So uh, she'd be happy to come aboard awesome mm, that'd be great it'd
1: be a really awesome to have another like advocate for people out there i mean you guys and your mission it's definitely seems like it's geared primarily just advocate and, and pr- um, promote the truckers which is i don't think i've seen anybody else offer that sort of service out there yet so that's awesome and then spreading that love is very important and unfortunately you know. You, you, you had to go through that tragedy, but sometimes the best things in this world are born from tragedy. So, you know, thank you for being able to use that and spin it to something that's actually benefiting people because we need way more of that in this world, especially today.
2: Amen. Mm-hmm.
1: But I think, you know, we are running close to the end of our time frame. I'm sure that you got to get going because you're a busy man. Um, so I think uh, two questions that we typically ask people uh, that are kind of just for fun. Uh, one is, you know, you've been in the trucking world for a long time everybody out there on the road has a cb
2: handle at least you know for the most part what would yours be if you had one uh i would probably say trucker twin you know so the, uh you know being a twin my entire life you know it'd be that and then, and uh yeah i don't know how many of those on the road there are probably yeah, I, would, I would want to have a unique handle you know so yeah it'd be it'd be a trucker twin trucker twin
1: That's awesome. Uh, Okay, and then the last one, typically, I mean, you've gone over a lot of your mission today and about to be kind and all that sort of thing, so it probably is going to be related. But if you had a billboard with one message to give everybody out there, what would it be?
2: I got you right here. Truckers drive everything.
0: Yes, they do. Yes, they do.
2: That's what it'd be right there.
0: Clap. Yeah, Mm -hmm. trucking makes America move. I mean, they really do. They are the lifeblood. We would not be on here. I don't know how many times we've said that. We would not be doing this podcast. We would not be in this building. We would not have the luxuries and the life that we have without the trucking community. So Exactly right. That's why we're so passionate about it. And um yeah, I, I feel blessed to be able to get back and, and this was our way of trying to give back to the trucking industry and the community in a way that we could bring value that wasn't insurance. Cause people hate insurance. We know that <laughs> the quickest way to get someone to shut up is talk about insurance. But, um, but we saw this as a way that we could really try to bring value and shine light on people like yourself. And, um, you're bringing honor to your brother's name. I love what you're doing. I love the mission that your company's on. I am so excited to kind of keep tabs and hopefully build a relationship with you because I think there's a lot of um, cross benefits that we can, and synergies that we can kind of connect up to for sure, just based on some stuff you've mentioned. So I'd love to connect. So
2: let's do it. the next one. We'll, we'll tape it on the golf course. You got like probably okay. a good five months, five months, Arizona weather out here. We'll go, we'll okay. go tape the next one on the golf course. And you're in Phoenix, you said? Yeah, we are.
0: Cool. Okay. Well, Phoenix is. Uh, I'll be. I'm happy to go down there. I've got connections and family down there anyway, and we got clients there, so it gives me a reason to get out there.
2: Exactly. Well, you guys are great. Thanks so much for having me again, Thomas Cameron. Appreciate you guys, and thanks for what you're doing with the podcast and bringing stuff to truckers and and do what you yeah. can to pr- protect them too. I appreciate you guys.
0: Awesome, and uh, yeah. folks that want to check them out, fstaff.com, Head over there look at their system, check out the requirements. Uh, Sounds like a good idea to me. You got a truck that's stuck. You need to move. You need to make some money. You can help out a driver. I don't know. Seems like an easy solution. So thank you everybody for listening. Uh, As always, you can find us on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, pretty much every major platform, YouTube. We got a Facebook group. Find us on LinkedIn. Um, Justin's on LinkedIn. In fact, I think that's where Thomas um, came across. You guys met each other. So, um, you know, I'm thankful for platforms. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly right? right. Okay guys, all right, thank you. Thank you.